All right, well, we are continuing uh, week four of our current series titled Big Days, Bad Days. How many of us know all, all, all of us are prone to a big day, but all of us are prone to some bad days? Anyone want to admit that a little bit? Like, we've all been there. We've had some bad days. And we know that sometimes if we're not careful, these days, big or bad, they could really uh, take over our lives. And today, I want to talk about a phrase that we're all very familiar with. It's the phrase for better or for worse. Now, that phrase carries a lot of weight, and we most commonly associate it with the wedding day because that's when we hear, right? It's when we're giving the vows. And that's exactly what I want to talk about. I, do not, I, I get it. Not everyone in this room is married. Not, not everyone in this room has been stepped into that journey. Some of us are teenagers. Some of us are young. They're children. Some of us are single. Now, I understand, but I believe that the principles that I, I, we're going to cover here today are transcendent despite our situation. In fact, Pastor Dave said it perfectly. Uh, a message that is not for you today may be a message for you tomorrow. So I believe that all of us should be actively engaged to receive something that God will potentially leave on our la- uh, in our lives so that we can use uh, at a later date. But anyhow, I believe in what's happening here. I'm, I'm thankful that God not only created the act of, being, uh, of marriage, but also allowed us to have an opportunity to enjoy it. But not just enjoy it, but to enjoy it in the ways that he asked us to enjoy, in the way that he ordained us for us to enjoy it. Now, I'm going to hit on some things here today, and I want you to know, I'm going to hit on some things, some, some things directly. And I, and I want to do that. But I also want you to know that there's grace covered with this. Like if at any point there's a moment or a situation that you come about where you feel like there's, like there's a shame or there's a guilt, please do not get that way. But rather say, how can I turn this into a place where it's conviction so I could let it use it so that God would grow me, not so that I could stay here so that I can become who God has asked me to be. Amen? So I want, I want to do that because, uh, again, I'm not a specialist. I don't have it all figured out. But one thing I do know is that, that God is actively engaged and working within our marriages here today. And if we're not careful, we can allow the devil to wage war not only against just our hearts, but also against our marriages. And so we're going to talk a lot about it. But again, I'm thankful that, that the institution of, mar- of marriage is created, not just for us to enjoy, but to enjoy it in the, in the confines of how God has asked us to enjoy it. Uh, we see the, the, this idea of marriage, this principle of marriage, the illustration of marriage right from the beginning uh, in, in, in Genesis where it says, it's not good for a man to be alone. I will make a helper who is suitable just for him. And we also see it throughout, the, throughout scripture, throughout the Bible, right to the very end of the book of Revelations where it talks about the marriage supper of the Lamb. But let me tell you something funny. This is a quote that I read, which I thought was really Really eye-opening, but at the same time, a little bit funny. It says, one of the best wedding gifts God gave you was the full-length mirror called your spouse. Uh, had there been a card attached to it, it would have said this. And here's the, here's the tagline. Here's to helping you discover what you're really like. <laughs> Come on, right? right? Like, how many of us know that sometimes with the best intentions, we move into a marriage, into our wedding day, and we realize, wow, I am not who I thought I was. Because some of you want to know, like, you want to know how selfish you are? Get married. You want to know how much selfish, even more selfish you are? Have kids, because that just takes it to another level. But again, uh, I, love, uh, I love being married. My wife Tasha is at the front row. She's taking notes. Thank you, love. Uh, everyone should take notes. No, but uh, we've been married for five years next month. Uh, again, we're not specialists. We don't, we're not coming up here like, yeah, we can write a book because we got it all figured out because God knows uh, we've needed some of these teachings that we, we're going to learn here today in our lives as well. But we've been married hap- uh, happily five years, and we love that Jesus is at the center of it because God knows if it wasn't for Jesus, we'd be somewhere else. Because again, some, uh, if we look back even to our, our pedigree, our lives, uh, our families in some cases did not leave the best example for us to follow. But yet, in, in, in our example, in the way 
that we've started our own legacy and our own principles. We said, hey, so long as we exist, we choose to let Jesus be at the center of us because we're flawed, he's not. And in the moments that I am flawed and that I'm left lacking, I can rely on his teachings, on his understandings, on his convictions so that we can get through this. So speaking of which, can somebody want to see pictures real quick? Yeah. Somebody wants to see some pictures? All right, here's me really quick. Tasha and I on our wedding day. That is me doing like the fist pump. I'm married. That wasn't, that wasn't really like a, 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 an excitement. That was more of a sigh of relief. Because I kidded you and I asked her, and I, could, I wish I had the, the, the video, and we don't. Um, but I, I, was, I literally was on the verge of passing out. And uh, it was one of the hottest days in San Diego, and it was hot in that room. And I'm like, I do not want to become one of those like failed compilation videos on YouTube where the groom's passing out. I kid you not, that almost happened. So that was my sigh of relief. Who wants to keep pictures going, right? All right, how about, how about Pastor Johnny and Kimberly, right? Right. Let's see them right there. Yes. Pastor Johnny, he's our kids pastor, our connections pastor here. They've been married 25 years. That's amazing. All right, let's, uh, let's, go, to, let's go to Molly Galvez and her husband, Will. Let's put them up. Let's see how young they look. Look how cute they are. Aw, right? Hey, if you ever want to hear a really good story, and she's laughing right now, a uh, disaster story that I would never wish on anyone on, because of their wedding dress, I'm going to leave it at that because I want you to talk to her. Ask her about her wedding dress story on her wedding day. It is crazy. Crazy. So four years, four years for them. They, they, if they made it through that, they can get through anything. Uh, how about Pastor Dave? Pastor Dave, our youth pastor real quick. Let's put him up. Pastor Dave and Katie right up here. Nine years. Nine years. Awesome. Amazing. Okay, we got two more pictures. How about, our, somebody want to see a mean mustache real quick? Let's put up Pastor Darren, our executive pastor, and Jane up. Let's put them up. Look at that. Wow. I, I wish I could grow a mustache like that. I, if I did, I'd look like I just fall on the ground and had a little bit of dust on me. That doesn't happen for me. I don't know why. Hey, let's end with our lead pastor, Pastor Robin Becca Ketterling. Let's put them up. Oh, look at that. That's awesome. That's awesome. Both those couples have been married 30 years. We're so, we're so thankful. But I, I love marriage. You know, marriage, wedding days, those things, they're so, they're so fun. But marriage is really an incredible thing, and it has to be cared for because we can't let what is uh, otherwise turn out to be a, what should be a big day, we cannot let it become a bad day. How many of us know that, right? Because if we're not careful, we can allow it to just be that. If we don't care for it, if we don't nurture it, if we don't love it, if we don't uh, cover it with grace, we can allow what was our big day it can turn into our bad day. And I understand there's some of us who have been there before. And I understand there are some of us who have been through the process of being divorced. And you know what? There's no condemnation here. But I want, what I do want to say is this, is receive everything that Jesus has for you in this season as you maybe progress into getting in, into marriage and, and a second marriage so that you don't have to, so that the, the, the mistakes of the past don't have to be repeated again. And I want to breathe that and cover that with as much love as possible. But I believe that our, our big day can lead to a big life. And I'm, I'm convinced of this, is that marriage is absolutely worth fighting for. Who's with me on this? It's worth fighting for. Like, if you, if you are there, you want to fight for it. You want to give it everything that you have that is inside of you that will require a living a selfless life so that you can fight for it. As a pastor, I have the honor and the privilege of not only obviously being a part of my own marriage, uh, but I've had the honor and the privilege of, of, of doing marriages. And they're so much fun. I love it, especially uh, when, the, when they do it the right way. Uh, as a pastor, that's the only way I would do it is uh, if someone is, is living with each other before marriage, I will ask them kindly and fill them with grace and teach them what it, what it means to say, you know what, for this season, move out, do it 
it the way that God ordained it for, for you guys to live, and then I will marry you guys. But again, I love it when there's moments like that, when someone says, you know what, Pastor Zeus, I don't know, sounds a little bit old school, right? Because it can feel that way, but I don't, under, uh, I don't fully understand it, but I, will, I believe in, what, uh, in, 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 in spiritual authority, and I believe in how God can move in our lives if we do it the right way, so I'm going to do it. So marriage is one of, one of the most incredible things, and I love officiating weddings. And in uh, one particular verse that is very popular at a wedding is Matthew chapter 19, verse 4 through 6, where it says this. This is Jesus speaking. Haven't you read, he replied, that at the beginning the creator made them male and female, and he said, for this reason a man will leave his father and his mother and be united to his wife, and the two will become one flesh, so that they are no longer two, but one flesh. Therefore, what God has joined together, let no one separate. Now, that, 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 that piece of scripture not only carries a lot of weight in a marriage, but I think it carries a lot of weight right now. It says, what God has joined together, let no one separate. As I already mentioned, there's a war that is actively engaged right now for our hearts and our lives and even for our marriages. And we have to do whatever we can, as we'll learn today, to fight against that and to say, God, we choose to put you at the center. So single is great. But let me tell you what, marriage is really next level, but it will require a lot from us to keep it that way or make it that way. In fact, it says, if you want to be free to serve Jesus, there's no question. Just stay single. But marriage takes a lot of time. If you want to become more like Jesus, I can't imagine any better thing to do than to get married, says one author. How beautiful. Let's pray. God, I thank you. Lord, as we uh, dive into this, God, head first. Lord, let us just uh, let you be the, the, the author of this. God, let your words be my words. God, I pray that you would inspire us. God, that whether we're single, Lord, I believe that you could still speak to us here today. God, whether we're married, happily married, and strongly married, God, I thank you for that. But Lord, maybe for the person that's in this room that says, you know what, I need a tune-up. I, I, I need a little bit of encouragement to, to make this right, to make things right with my, with my wife or with, 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 with someone's husband here. And so, Lord, I just pray that you would just do what only you can do. God, you would cover it with grace. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen and amen. So let's talk about this. Let's talk about the few, men, uh, few benefits of being married as designed by God and how amazing marriage can lead to really a big life. So the, the points that we're going to cover is identity, the points, the other one's investment, and then the last one is going to be the payoff. Again, a message for you today that you think you don't need may be a message for you tomorrow. So please be actively engaged in this. Now, I'm no expert, right? I've been married only for, for a little over four years, almost five years here coming up next month. And so it doesn't mean that I come up here because I got it all figured out because I'm, I, I think it's all right. But one thing we have been surrounded by is amazing couples in our church and in our life and pastors who will not let us fail. In fact, they've breathed life into us in every particular situation and say, hey, I don't want you to fail. I don't, uh, you don't need to fail. Here's how you can avoid these warning blocks. And so today, a lot of it, what I would share is just things that either have been shared with me that are just points of wisdom that I believe is, is really transcendent to all of us and can speak to us. And so I love that uh, that happens. Pastor Rob and Pastor Beck are that for us. Pastor, Pastor Darren and, and Pastor Jane, they're the same way. And I love that even in this room, we have people who have amazing marriages. Earlier today, we highlighted Mark and Karen who are our marriage mentors here at River Valley Church. Some of you, a lot of you know them. Like you, if you don't know them, get to know them. But here at River Valley, we believe so strongly in, in marriage that if there's ever a situation where you, you are in need of help, we've, we've created uh, systems and, and safeguards and layers for you to receive marriage mentoring, for you to receive the help that you need uh, at, at really no charge. And so because we just believe that uh, it's not the end all be all, but we believe that sometimes you just need a little bit of a tune up because we honestly, as a pastor, I do not want to see you fail. In fact, I'll do everything in my mind and in my heart to, to keep you from failing in your marriage. And so I just love that we believe in it here. Here, but 
Uh, and so we do that. We have amazing couples at this church. I want to read to you out of Ecclesiastes chapter 4, verse 9, where it says, two are better than one because they have a good return for the labor. If either of them falls down, one can help the other up. But pity anyone who falls and has no one to help them up. Also, if two lie down together, they will keep warm. But one, how can one keep warm alone? Though one may be overpowered, two can defend themselves. And a cord of three strands is not quickly broken. So again, we can assume, right, that one, one of the three strands, one of them is, is the husband, the other one is the wife, but who is the third person involved in that situation? And I would believe that is the presence of the Holy Spirit in our lives. Because some of those, how many of us know, if we were to be honest, that we are limited by our own understanding sometimes. In fact, we're limited by our own emotions sometimes, and our, sometimes an emotional decision can lead to a very catastrophic outcome or consequences to what is happening to a very small problem. And so I would encourage us all that, that in our, as we go through this, as we've learned here in Ecclesiastes, that we are allowing, making room and margin for the Holy Spirit to actually be working in our lives. See, the following three points that, Jesus, uh, that we learn from the Bible are, are really a- applicable to all stages, whether you're single, whether you're married, whether you're separated or divorced. His teachings, the teachings here really transcend all these different points. So let's start with the first one. And this one is really more geared for anybody in this room who is single or yet to be married. It says, identity and who Jesus created us leads us to become the right person for marriage. Matthew chapter 6, verse 31, it says, you do not worry about these things saying what we will eat, what we will drink, what we will wear. These things dominate the thoughts of unbelievers, but your heavenly Father already knows your needs. So seek the kingdom of God above all else. So seek the kingdom of God first. And live righteously, and he will give you everything that you need. So do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will bring its own worries. Today's trouble is enough for today. Now, again, this particular piece of scripture is not something that you typically hear at a, a, during a marriage sermon or a wedding ceremony, but I believe that what it's telling us here is that, uh, that if we fix on eyes on Jesus, we're not worried about finding the right person. We're worried about becoming the right person. How many of us know that, right? Because sometimes that's what the world tells us, right? That if, if, if we want to be, uh, if we want to be, find, find, find whoever that is, we got to find the right person. But oftentimes that could be such a selfish thought because there's a lot of ownership that needs to, re- that is required out of us so that we could become the right person. In fact, uh, to, to anyone who is single in this room, I would always tell people too, as you are searching for someone else, do not look for potential, look for patterns. Potential will get you in a lot of trouble, but patterns will determine a history and an outcome of what, who that person really is. So in your case too, is how do you turn your potential into an actual pattern where God is doing something amazing in your life, where God is actively engaged in who he is uh, in you? And so again, we have a few warnings that are, that are out there. Right? Some of us young people in the room, if we're, if we're single, we're young, we're teenagers, uh, young adults. If we're older than that and we keep up, we know that pop culture has, in some ways, uh, lessened the value of what marriage looks like. Culture, media, trends, friends, some bad friends. Uh, but again, I never, I never want us to be the people who are influenced by culture, but rather I believe as Christians and believers that we could actually influence culture. In fact, when there is a strong marriage and when God does something amazing, people will notice that and they will ask you, why do you do that? And say, because I'm a person of conviction, I'm on, uh, I, believe in, I believe in God, I believe in, in how God created things to be, and I believe that there's a blessing, there's a reason why it's worked out uh, for people who really wholeheartedly believe what Jesus can do. I would say to anyone who is young, don't trade the ultimate for the instant. How many of us know, like, instant coffee, that's not good, but if you get a good cup of coffee, that stuff is good, right? 
And I believe it's the same thing for, for, for a person who is waiting. Like sometimes if you go for, for, for the quick gratification or for the quick thing, that sometimes it's not as valuable, not as good as, as, as the ultimate. And so I would say to this, do not trade the ultimate for this instant. In fact, to anyone in this room or to anyone who may be single, I would say save yourself. There is no reason that you need to give of yourself, but rather hold off. And let me tell you this. If you have messed up, I get it. Receive grace and, and, and do it God's way and, and let God change that, that for you. But don't give yourself over physically, and, 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 but then but rather hold off to, to until you're married and let God bless that, that union. In fact, I, I heard this quote, and I think this quote is so good, it's, and it really transcends just even this topic, but it says, if you grow your no, God will bless your Yes. Think about that, right? Like, if culture tells us, like, Zeus, you need to do this. Zeus, because everyone else is doing it this way, you need to do it that way. But if I say no to that, no to the things that I know that are not good for my heart, I believe that in those moments, God will ultimately bless the yes. And when I finally say, you know what? This whole time, I was saving myself for marriage. This whole time, I was saving myself for Tasha. Because I believe that whoever, whether it was, again, I'm glad it's Tasha, but let's just say back when I was single, it didn't matter who it was. For me, it just mattered that I was becoming the best version of myself for Jesus and that in some ways I wasn't, uh, I wasn't uh, going with what culture to say, hey, uh, go and play house together. Go take it out for a test drive, right? Make sure you like it first before you commit to it. You know, that is a pretty cheap way to look at it. That is a way to say, you know what? I'm gonna take things in my own hands and not really trust in what God can do. But rather, I'm glad that, I did it the, 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 we did it the way that we did and that we waited. So, don't, so save yourself, people. Don't, I mean, if, if you wanna get married by, by a River Valley pastor, don't live together. They'll do it. Not because we, we're, we're righteous or we think we got, but we believe in what God can do when you save yourself. Walk through God's context of marriage, not your own. So go all the way in the things of God, not just in the ways of the world. To everyone else, point number two. Continued investment in our marriage creates a strong bedrock. Now, bedrock is something that is unmovable, unshakable, right? If you're ever going to build something, you want to build it on strong ground. In fact, the Bible talks about build, you know, build the, build the church on the rock, you know what I mean? So that it would not be swayed away or on, or, or on light ground. But uh, bedrock is something important and strong. And, but it says we have to make an investment into it. Galatians chapter six, do not be misled. No one makes a fool out of God. What a person plants, he will harvest. The person who plants selfishness, ignoring the needs of others, ignoring God, harvests a crop of weeds. All he'll have to show is weeds. But the one who plants in response to God, letting God's spirit do the growth work in him, harvest a crop of real life, eternal life. So let's not allow ourselves to get fatigued in doing good. And so what do I mean by this here? I believe that whenever we harvest, whatever we reap, we will sow. So if we continue to reap into a strong marriage, I believe we're going uh, to sow, or if we're going to uh, uh, sow into a strong marriage, we're going to reap a strong marriage. If we continue to, uh, get, how do I say this? If we continue to ignore it, we're going to get exactly with that, right? Because whatever we feed grows and whatever we starve dies. But I found this stat to be very, uh, very interesting. It says the average married couple actively communicates on the average of just 27 minutes a week. Think about that, 27 minutes a week. I'm gonna let you do the math to think how many minutes is there in a full week, but there's a lot of minutes. And for us as couples to only engage for 27 minutes, that is, that is hard. And I get it. There's a cost and a sacrifice that needs to take place. There's an investment that needs to take place in order for you to have more than 27 minutes. You know, I, I, oftentimes people say, well, Pastor Zeus, you don't get it. Like, my kids are grown up. I gotta take them to soccer. I gotta take them to this. I gotta take them to that. Let me just tell you this. And I feel pretty confident that your child's probably not gonna become a World Cup star. 
Like, I'm just saying, you know what I mean? And, and, and if you're not careful, right, you will progress through your marriage and you will go there and then they're going to grow up and to be 18 years old and then, you're gonna, and then they're going to move out and then you and your wife are going to look at each other and think like, wow, we really don't know each other. And all that time that you could have invested in your marriage, you were so busy investing it on just your kids' sports. Now, what I'm saying is not, that's not a bad thing. I'm just saying, how are you prioritizing your marriage and your life to say, God, how uh, am I investing into my relationship? Am I investing into my marriage so that I don't get to the place where I'm left lacking? Because there's a reality is too, is that you could be left lacking. And if you're not making that investment, you're, eventually you're going to go bankrupt. Anytime you're going to try to uh, take, withdraw from it, there's not going to be nothing there because you haven't made enough deposits. So don't get against that. It's going to be a cost. It's going to be a sacrifice. That means you're going to have to find a sitter. That means you're going to have to pay for a sitter. That means you're going to have to find time in your schedule to have to say, hey, when can we go on a date and do something amazing? Uh, Jamie and Sarah Martin, you guys are back there. You guys just went on a date just like this weekend. I love you guys. Thank you for doing that. Thank you for investing. They have a lot of kids. They have a business of their own, and they're doing it amazing. Can we just give it up for them? I saw it on social media, and that is amazing. I, I commend you guys for that. You guys understood what it means to, to, to develop and to grow a, a marriage. Um, here are six ways that you can, that you can grow uh, your intimacy with, with your marriage. Because if we're not careful, we can easily get caught up in the lie that uh, we can get content with, one each, content with each other, right? Because familiarity, familiarity with one another breeds contentment. But we need to understand that. We need to not get into a place where we feel like we have to not go after each other's hearts. So I want to read to you out of uh, just really quick six ways out of this book called Road Warriors, assuming that Jesus and and God is already uh, the center of this, six ways that we can develop intimacy in our marriage. Here's number one, if you're taking notes, laugh together. Who likes to laugh, right? Like, come on, we, all, all of us love to laugh. If you don't like to laugh, there's something wrong with you, and you need to go get some help for that. Uh, but seriously, a lot of us love to laugh, and I would just encourage, as the author says, it's like, make light of situations. In fact, I had a couple after last service who came, and apparently uh, uh, they, they had a disastrous date yesterday with rollerblades or something, and uh, it just that video at the beginning just brought back some PTSD, I guess, and just they were not happy. But anyhow, they said, hey, I wish we would have learned to just make light of that situation yesterday. Like, I got so caught up in wanting to do it my own way that I, that, that I ruined the date for us. And again, just learn to make light situations. I'm not talking about sarcasm. I'm not talking about things that hurt people or making fun of another person. But if you can, make light of a situation. Don't feel like you have to die on that hill and ruin everything for the rest of the day or the date or whatever it is. Number two, encourage each other. Uh, again, I, I encouraged... Um, uh, the, the Martins back here for, for just going on a date, but on social media, sometimes I see the other thing is I see couples who actively uh, bring down one another on social media. Let me tell you that. Tell me, tell you what, stop it. True wisdom tells you you don't have to share everything. True wisdom will tell you you don't have to like everything. True wisdom you don't, uh, tells you that you don't have to share and disclose everything. What I would say to the, you this is praise your, praise your spouse in public, correct them private. Yeah. Amen. Like seriously, if, if you want to get the most out of your relationship and your marriage or your future marriage or wherever you're at, praise in public, correct in private. Because you want to see someone shut down very fast, post something about them negative on social media and things will not go well. And so whatever you can, try to praise your, and praise, praise your spouse. And even sometimes, like, well, my spouse is not worthy of praise. Well, guess what? Uh, sow into it uh, and, and see what you can reap uh, after, after the fact. But maybe try something new because, again, the definition of insanity is doing everything the same way and expecting different results. So maybe it's time for us to try something new. Third thing, touch each other. And I'm not just talking about sex, okay? I said, I said the word. Uh, but, 
don't just, I'm not just talking about that. In fact, that's one area that I struggle with a lot uh, is, is public displays of affection. When I was in college, I was so determined not to be, be that one student, right? Oh, Zeus and Tasha, there they are again, like just really being, you know, in public. Uh, I, did, I didn't want to do that. And so I was so fixated on not becoming that, that to this day that I've, I struggle with, with even sometimes even holding her hand or putting my arm around her. So again, I'm not coming up here feeling self-righteous, thinking I got it all figured out. Like I come up here saying, hey, I'm in the same boat as you, man. I'm working on this situation and I'm trying to make the better of my, of my marriage as well. And again, we had a couple, a pastor couple that we hung out with. He's like, uh, you told, she, she leans over to Tasha. She's like, you and Zeus don't really touch each other a lot, do you? She's like, no, not really. It's like, and, but anyhow, so that, that was really an example of, of just like, you know, so I'm trying to get better at that. And like, if, you, if I'm not holding my wife's hand, call me out on it. I'm trying to work on it. Uh, number four, talk about your feelings. Set aside time each day to talk about your day, victories, challenges. Women are a little bit more able to do this kind of stuff because women love this kind of relationship. Guys, sometimes we feel like we have to come to home and we have to check it at the door and internalize things. But again, that doesn't mean you have to go and just spew everything. But that just means take some time. Again, not just 27 minutes a week. But take some time to say, hey, today, these were my victories. Today, these were my challenges. And maybe allow that opportunity, again, because I'm, I'm working on it as well, to say, hey, you know what? Could you pray for me? Can we pray with each other right now and invest in our marriage so that our intimacy would get better? Number five, protecting the image of your spouse. They're not some movie or show character. They're not a character from This Is Us. Like, is that a popular show right now, I think, right? Like, oh, my gosh, why can't Zeus be, like, a little bit like him? Like... He's so nice, and he's so cute. He's got a six-pack. No, 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 I don't. But, um, but again, don't, don't devalue your, your spouse or your significant other. They are a person who has real needs, real hurts, and, uh, uh, and learn to see them the way Jesus sees them. Number six, forgiving and being forgiven. Um, that leads me to the final point. A history of investment leads to a payoff of grace and power. First Peter chapter four verse, says, four verse eight says, above all things, have fervent love for one another, for love will cover a multitude of sins. True love covers a multitude of sins. In its truest form, we never deserved Jesus' uh, sacrifice. We never did, and yet it, we still got it. And what it says here, that true love covers a multitude of sins. And I believe it's the same thing in our marriages, that if we allow God to work and do what is right, God will do something amazing. And there's a quote here that I think is pretty prolific. It says, Husbands, you are married to a fallen woman in a broken world. Wives, you are married to a sinful man in a sinful world. It is guaranteed that your spouse will sin against you, disappoint you, and have physical limitations that will frustrate you and even sadden you. He may come home with the best intentions and still lose his temper. He may have all the desire, she may have all the desire, but have none of the energy. What does that mean? Life happens. Life is true. We live in a broken world. There's, there's things at war against us, sometimes in the form of little packages called kids, right, uh, that will choose to you know, mess up our days. But uh, let me tell you this. Have grace with one, the, one another. Learn to see it through, through, through her ways. Learn to see it through God's way. And let, let, let something happen. In fact, one of the best departments of wisdom that I can give onto a, a married couple during a ceremony is this, is that when life happens, when things get real, it's not you versus her. It's not you versus him. It's you and her, me and Tasha versus the problem. This really is. We are a team. We are a team. And, and outside of the Holy Spirit, no one else is allowed to be a part of it. It's just her and I, not even our kids. Because how many of you know, sometimes our kids could drive, us, drive a wedge between us as well, right? Like, kids are smart. Like, kids are not dumb. Like, all right, so uh, if, if dad doesn't let us uh, get that lollipop, I'm going to go to mom. Hey, mom, can I get the lollipop? 
You know what I mean? And so like, that's a, that's a small example, but it's just, that's just true. You know, sometimes like the kids can help drive a wedge between us. And I'm not saying kids are bad, but kids are smart and kids are also living this world with, with, there's a fallen nature about it. And so we got to learn like Tasha and I, uh, as we've been, is we got to learn to be on the same team. If mom says no, dad says no. If dad says no, mom says no. And we got to trust it. And if there's something needs to be changed, we're not having that conversation in front of our kids. We're having that conversation uh, behind, behind closed doors where it's just her and I. And so uh, we, we just believe in that. It's us and her uh, versus me and her uh, versus a problem, not the other way around. Uh, if you love something, you put a high value on it. If you see it as being precious, uh, you do everything you can to, uh, to, to put investment into it. So your big days, biggest days can come after your biggest failures. So if you're in this situation, if you've are, you find yourself in this place saying, man, I've messed up. Like I've been a bad husband, I've been a bad wife, or I, I'm, 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 I've, I've messed up purity-wise. If you're single, if you're young, if you're old, if you are here and you are, are, are divorced and, and you're going through a hurting period I just, or, or through a separation, I want to tell you what, that there still is hope. And instead of trying to uh, make that person be, be the right person, I need you to focus on becoming the right person, receive grace, receive all that God has for you, and let him do the, do the work. You know, powerful marriages lead to a principle of, of legacy and, and power. Um, perhaps the problem is not so much uh, what, you, what, what you're doing, but what you're consuming. If you're consuming lies, or if you're feeding what society is telling you, what pop culture, sin, or you're devaluing your marriage, do not let that happen, but rather in, in your appetites, let, you, let your appetite be for something much greater instead of something uh, far lesser. God gave the space, leave God to be, give God space to be God. See, marriage and restoration is a seed, and it takes time. It really does. Um, there's, a, there's a phrase that I heard from a pastor that says, let the dirt do its work, right? When you plant something, it doesn't mean that overnight something happens, but that means you have to actively engage into that plant and to say, how can I nurture it? How can I care for it? How can I water it? And then after a season, things can get better. So if you're in a season where you're asking God for grace and restoration, please do not try to rush it because guess what? Grace and restoration, it gets messy. It hurts. You get dirt in your, in, in your fingernails. You, you get things and stuff, but let the dirt do its work and let God do something amazing through it. So invest into it. You know, as, I, as, as we close here, you know, what I think is this quote that I read is that what if, what if God designed marriage not to make us happy, but to make us holy. Like, think about that. Like, what if God didn't design marriage to make us happy, but to make us holy? I think happy doesn't always make holy, but I think holy makes happy. So if we put it in the, in, in the, in the prioritize it the way that God asked us to prioritize, I believe that's when we see the most victory. I believe that's when we see the most power. But guess what? It takes work. It takes active investment, commitment, sacrifice, cost. And if you want to see God do something amazing in your, in your single years, in your married years, in your, if you've been divorced, like wherever it is, like I want to encourage you, do it God's way and let him do something amazing. As we close here, I want to ask us to stand and we're going to have a, uh, a moment of, of worship here at the end. And um, I want us just this all to respond and, and, to, and to just really let this opportunity in this moment sit in our hearts.